on this episode. This is a total exploitation film. I was the only white slave, so I get sold on the slave blocks because apparently I was a traitor in the colonies. Oh you know, I'd rode crew at one point. I had 6% body fat. I don't think it's there right now. But, you know, so I'm on the, on, on the blocks, and you've got all the women with the parasols, and they're talking to their husbands, darling, I want that one. Recorded live in the corner booth at the center of the Coachella Valley universe, this is Big Conversations, Little Bar. Now, your hosts, Patrick Evans and Randy Florence. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of Big Conversations Little Bar, recorded live at Skip Page's Little Bar in Palm Desert, the center of the Coachella Valley universe. My name is Patrick Evans, and I'm joined by my co-host, Mr. Randy Florence. Good afternoon. America's favorite retired banker. Seriously? Yeah. I haven't seen that in writing anywhere, but I'd like to see it. My kids would be impressed. That's... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's what it says on my Christmas card to you. You know, we usually spend the first few minutes with me asking you a question and then you talking for about 20 minutes. We're not going to do that But today. I don't think we should do that No, today. we're going to get immediately to our guest, who uh, happens to be Mr. Patrick Warburton, who is, of course, uh, the man for whom the Warburton Golf Tournament is titled, named for, and he is doing it all to raise money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. Patrick, welcome to the program. Welcome. Thank you, Patrick. Thank you, Randy. Of course. Good to be here, guys. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. I yeah. know that you're actually in town for a, a board meeting for the Warburton tournament. This thing has become a juggernaut. It, it you know, over the years, Palm Springs has been the site of some great celebrity golf tournaments, but this one it has turned out to be just this this bigger than life production. Well, Did you imagine that when you started it? I really didn't, but that's thanks to so many you people, the good people <laughs> of Coachella Valley. I love it. Uh, we have more dear friends actually now, my wife and I and our family in the Coachella Valley than anywhere else in the world. So it feels like home to us. Uh, and we do spend a lot of time out here. And it's thanks to Clark and our board and everybody, you know, a lot of work goes into it, but uh, it's been a great journey. And, and, and nothing's, you know, more rewarding than I think for all of us just to be part of a fundraising event for the best hospital in the world. And we have so much fun out here doing it too. It's the perfect environment. Every, it's the biggest party uh, of yeah. the year. And yeah. I mean, everybody, if you walk into our TV station starting that Thursday, yeah. it's empty because everybody's <laughs> taking the time yeah. off. Like there is, we, we find people off the street to anchor. So yeah. <laughs> everybody's gone. Is there anything new this year from what you did last year? Um, there's always more. a few, uh, always a few surprises, and so that that happens in the jam. A lot of times, Clark's secretive about some of that stuff, and I'm like, I'd like to know, but you know, <laughs> Clark Rainey, yeah. uh, you're referring to, who does such a great job of wrangling musical talent. Yeah. I particularly love the songwriter night, which is is always fascinating because you bring in some incredible talent. They've written, you know, hundreds of top songs yeah. and then they talk about what went into the writing of the song they perform a little bit it's really a, a fun night it's fantastic and it's still even though we have a much bigger crowd for it still it's, it still feels intimate it was very intimate that first year and I was I'd never been to anything like that I'd never been to the Bluebird Cafe you know in Nashville and, and had any experience like that so I had no idea what a songwriter's night was until I, I went and uh, the first one we had was that little bar that's no longer there at the Desert Springs Marriott and that's where we had it you know and so that's grown it's all grown yeah what was the genesis for your relationship with st jude's how did this all start i was playing in jim mcmahon's same uh super bowl uh tournament in in this was the uh indie chicago game in miami years ago 85 uh no 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 it was later yeah 
Was because, he playing golf barefoot then? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes with the teeth in, sometimes yeah. without. That's, that's he, you know, he's had a cast on for like the last two years because of a bad. And right. so he hobbled. I played with him about a month ago, and he hobbled out onto the first tee in this cast. And um, I'm glad I didn't say, hmm, should we play from the white tees? Because he's still, you know, he's got a crutch and a cast. And he still hit the ball farther than anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> so he figured out how to make it work. But uh, so anyways, I was, I, was at, I was at his event. Yeah. And so um, there was a, a fellow from St. Jude. Uh, Charlie w- w- was working with St. Jude at the time. And he was there, and there's this little uh, little guy, and he was a St. Jude patient. And so I was having fun doing some character voices for him. And then uh, Charlie asked me, he said, uh, would you ever come out to the hospital and read to the kids? And I said, absolutely, I'd love to. I go, I'll do you one better. I'll host an event. And he said, you would? And he said, absolutely. And so he flew out, like, that week <laughs> to California. <laughs> I bet he did take advantage of it. <laughs> stayed at house for a few days, and we put you know, got it started. Uh, but, um, listen, this event would have... Um, you know, never turned into anything what it is now. Um, if uh, then I hadn't connected with Clark, and I had known Clark, I had known Clark from the, the Hope, and then we played in an event uh, up in uh, Northern California, the Schultz, and our team won. And over martini drinks that night, I got some information from Clark about his background from Memphis and having you know uh, done some as a young man, um, some volunteer you know work over there. And I could see that it was uh, it was you know near and dear to his heart, and so uh, I, I got him on the hook. I got him to the point where he said, "You need me to run your event," and I said, "Yeah, I think I do." You know, so <laughs> I, I went in and I woke up Kathy, I woke up my wife. You know, I'm all I'm four sheets. Honey, honey, honey. <laughs> You're not gonna believe it. Yeah, Clark, Clark's gonna run this thing. It's gonna be great. <laughs> and so sure enough, and it has you know, been. And it has been. How's it know. grown from the beginning? Well. You know, everything, everything has grown. I mean, I think, uh, you know, originally we might have just had, you know, uh, one course. And now we, you know, for a long time now we've had two, Um, you know. And golf sells out immediately. Yeah. The day you open it. Yeah. Well, it's an invitational now. So, you know, golf has sold out all both courses. Bam, like that, you know, and um, it's a, it's a great uh, thing and a great problem to have. Of course, the jam jam session does yeah. too, you know. And uh, to me, that's always I love songwriters, uh, you know. But that jam is just a highlight. I mean, when you see you know all these rock and roll hall of fame artists get up on stage and all together and just knock out you know some of their greatest hits, and then you bring in the next and the next, and I mean all with Six Wire backing them up. And Six Wire has been such a big part of this event. They are the, you know, they're one of the greatest bands really in the world. These guys can play anything. They are so adaptive. So guys from different genres get up there, and they would regularly turn around and say, these guys are better than my band. And so now Six Wire does tour with so many of these legendary singers. They they take them on tour with, uh, take Six Wire on tour with them. Yeah. You know, the original premise of this podcast for about five minutes was that we were going to talk to guests about music that was important in their life yeah. and that might have meant something in their life. Yeah. What did you listen to growing up? Is this is the stuff we're talking about now, was this kind of what you were into? Sure, yeah. I mean, Rush, you know, and Alex has been out and, and played with us a couple times, and I want to get him again. But, you know, I remember you know getting my first Rush album when I was about 13 years old. And then you know, and The Doors and Robbie, you know, and he's been a dear friend and, you know, and helped us out early on, you know, as Allison Cooper used to come out in the very beginning. Yeah. So when you got like a band like Six Wire and Allison Cooper coming out and everybody's like, 
all the other guys, you know, they would share it with them and say, listen, no, it's worthwhile. You're going to sound really good. And this band is really good. And you'll have no complaints. And so then finally, when we get a guy, then they want to come back, you know, like Mike Reno from Loverboy. It took years, you know, years, you know, worked on him a little bit and. He came out and he was like, "This is awesome! This is amazing!" <laughs> and, and then the next he, year next they year bring just, somebody yeah, they out. Yeah. yeah. So um, you know the jam's grown. Everything's just uh, you know grown, but at the same time we keep it manageable. That's why you know, look, it's yeah. Could we do this jam for you know ten thousand people? We could, but you know we know what our capacity is and it's about a thousand and we keep it at that way and and it makes the jam special too because then you feel like you're almost you know in a bar with all these legends you know you're in a you're you're in a tighter space you can get right up to the stage everybody can get right up to the stage that jam yeah the access is amazing and and i think by keeping it capped you you know you maintain a level of exclusivity that really feels special when you're in the room i mean you don't want to open up to it's a geography that this might be the only place this works because of the way we're self-contained and because of the amount of ex-entertainer, not ex, but older entertainers that are still in the Valley and stuff that still want to perform. Um, It allows you to put something on here that maybe in other towns wouldn't be as easy. Yeah. um, it, It really, it really does work in regards to, you know, our format, this environment, the space we got at Desert Springs Maria is just perfect, you know, because everybody just stays there, you know, and and you can party with the purpose, as we say. <laughs> and then, you know, home is an elevator away, which is the best way to go about that, especially if you're going to indulge a bit. And that happens uh, yes, a little bit at the, at the Warburton. <laughs> yeah. uh, you guys consistently raise a couple million dollars now. We do, and we we have steadily grown throughout the years. So there, the you know, in the early years, we would break our record every year. We broke our record last year. Last year, we raised just shy of five million dollars. Yeah, wow. So I mean, it, it, and what that must mean to the, I know that the folks at St. Jude's are so appreciative of your efforts and, and this tournament, mm-hmm. which has become, as I said, it's just a juggernaut, raising a lot of money and, and yeah. just being a destination for people. It's worked. It's really worked, you know. And back again, you know. Um, that, that building expertise of Clark has created something that St. Jude loves. So now we have satellite um, attorneys. And, uh, oh, Rom loves it when I call him, call him my satellite, <laughs> satellite boy. <laughs> Rom, Rom, you could raise as much money as you want to, but, you know, the way I see it, you're working for St. Jude, and you're working for me. You're working for me. Uh, <laughs> it's not that way. We have a fun rivalry. But so now Rom's, we've got the Rom out there in Florida, and I just got back this weekend from uh, um, Peter Jacobson's uh, hosting one in Florida. And so they're all they're all offshoots, you know, of this event. You know, I remember years ago, uh, so my dear buddy, uh, you know, Scotty Medlock and Robbie Krieger had an event and had a different beneficiary, and they came to ours, and, and they said, hey, you know, and theirs was a little complicated, and they just go, mm, we'd like to change. Um, could we change to St. Jude? And I go, why are you asking me? I go, the, the, what, what it's all about is, um, you know, just informing people and, um, and, you know, viral in the best sense of the word. So, it, look, it costs two and a half million dollars a day to open up the doors of that hospital. So, yes, let's get the word out. And that's wonderful that you want to do that. And, you know, and more and more and more. So it'd be great. And I think St. Jude really loves our format and the way Clark's done things here. And so um, they're in the process of, like, literally, you know, building tournaments now, I think, more you know, around the country. So it's you built starting. a template for what they're going to try to do. 
Uh, well, we yeah. built the template. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Patrick, yeah. Um, now we've been talking about uh, the tournament. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about some of the highlights uh, you have had over your career. I think, you know, a lot of us got to know you. I did watching yeah. Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, but you've had so many great roles. Yeah. Uh, what are some of your favorite moments? Um, it, it, it's it's uh, such a compilation of you know some you know one of the worst movies I ever made and and and, and I'm the worst thing in it was the first thing I ever did. <laughs> yeah, I was 22 years old and I got to go to you know Africa and do a couple of movies with Oliver Reed and Eartha Kitt and really? Herbert Lum. Yeah, I, I spent I was 22 and those I was, are two serious actors. Well, they are you know and, and Reed was brilliant, but Reed was relegated at the time of doing crappy movies with me because he was. <laughs> too much of a liability uh, for major production. Yeah. Well, he would start, you know, hitting the whiskey at five in the morning or at 10 in the morning on the set and try to get me going with him. And I said, listen, I, I got to go, wait till 11. I go, you got me, you got me all night, but I, I can't do it on set. I go, I'm already going to ruin my career at bad acting here. Uh, no, it was, you know, period piece that took place in the 16th century on the islands of St. Kitts, you know, and, uh, uh, I remember asking the producers, well, I should work on a dialect. And they said, don't worry about that. Um, that's a, this is a total exploitation film. I was the only white slave, so I get sold on the slave blocks because apparently I was a trader in the colonies. Oh and, you know, I had rode crew at one point. I had 6% body fat. I don't think it's there right now. But, you know, so I'm on the, on, on the blocks, and you've got all the women with the parasols, and they're talking to their husbands, darling, I want that one. You know, and so it's like, you know, uh, th this movie is so absurd. And then, uh, what's actually, the name of the movie? Oh, Dragonard and Master of Dragonard Hill. But listen, you can't find him. <laughs> uh, I mean, you pulled every you, copy. You can't. You can't find it. You can't find it on Amazon. <laughs> I will talk freely about this because good luck to you. I mean, it's, it's on some. It's on some old VHS tapes that are on. Yeah, it was like made in '85, but. Um, <laughs> It's horrible. But I look back and I had one of the best experiences of my life. You know, I sort of dropped out of junior college. Next thing I know, I'm in Africa making movies with Oliver Reed. And and it was a great experience. And Eartha Kitt? And Eartha said, Kitt, wow. yes. And how did that yes. happen? You're, a, you're studying marine biology. Well, that's a little, listen, that's what I was always actually intrigued by. Okay. But then I re realized really early on with my academic or lack of academic prowess that I, I wasn't going to be going to a, a you know, four-year university. I wasn't, I, my heart wasn't there. I, I, in the back of my mind, I, this is really what I always wanted to do. And so I just sort of slowly, slowly started just to fail out and not go to classes. And then I just stopped going. I, at one point, I was like, how do I solve this problem? Well, the best way to solve it is just to walk away. And I walked away. I just, I just one day, just didn't go to school. I go, that's it. And um, so, so that was a great experience, but nothing I want anybody to see. There's sometimes... I've had just amazing, wonderful experiences, and there are things that I want everybody to see, like you know, doing um, a series of unfortunate events for Netflix with Barry Sonnenfeld. Yeah. You know, uh, it was an amazing cast. The production value was tremendous. You know, they were spending about eight and a half million dollars an episode, wow. which was a lot back then. Um, the sets were beautiful. Bo Welch did all the sets. He does all of you know Barry's Men in Black movies and that. We just had it was just really creatively. It was an amazing experience, and. Um, and I fell in love with Vancouver, too. You know, Vancouver 
in spring and summer became is literally my favorite city in the world because it's so beautiful and so i do get the snowbird thing that's when i truly got the snowbird thing i go wow spring and summer this is the place to be and then oh i can see why when it gets cold and miserable and dark at three o'clock <laughs> in the afternoon they come down to palm springs all right that's a great split if you can afford to do if that. If you can afford it, it's, yeah. it's good living. It's yeah. good living. So uh, that was a great experience. I, I had a great experience doing a, a film called The Woman Chaser, which is a you know small, low-budget film we did in 2000, but it was really, really kind of cool. We debuted at the New York Film Festival, and it's had a cult following for some time. Um, and one of my best experiences ever was doing The Dish with Sam Neill. And I love Sam. And... Uh, and he's been very open and, and honest in, in, in regards to being very sick right now. And, and I, I, um, he's such a talent. Yeah. He's so such a that, talent. I hope I, that he gets through this and he uh, can make it. Yeah. We'll send our best. I mean, I, I, mean, I think I first noticed Sam Neill in, in The Hunt for Red October. Yeah. And, of course, in the Jurassic. I mean, he's just a, he's a remarkable talent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, 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 yeah. Wonderful. Very, very a very just a very uh, dear open kind person too i stayed at his house you know uh for a couple of days when we were making the dish and he said uh he said let's have a barbecue i go that sounds good so we went out and we got some sausages they weren't they weren't world-class you know patrick but they were good and some of his wines because he's a vineyard so you know the, the doorbell r- r- you know rang and so i go answer it so the first two people to show up are tom and nicole you know <laughs> they're still together and so the next thing we're, we're we're just in the kitchen just the four of us you know talking about you know because sam had done a movie with nicole where they're in a boat and uh, dead calm. That's it. Oh, oh, so yeah. They're talking about that, and then they they just screw off somewhere else. Walk. It's just me and Tom in the kitchen, and uh, I don't want to be that guy. But uh, you know, immediately, uh, my boys and I, boy, we love top top guy. I can't believe I'm saying this right now. It's, 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 it's totally gar- fanboying. The, the garbage that he hears everywhere. He goes, um, but he was great. And then, you know, Tom and I ended up uh, playing ping pong for about an hour or two in the other room. And uh, he was very competitive. I was just going to ask. Yeah. If anytime I got ahead, he would have we'd another game. And so he could he could be the winner. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> but then uh, Rachel Ward and Brian Brown showed up. And then Tim Finn from Crowded House. He's playing the piano. Oh, We're all standing gosh. around singing getting wasted just great experiences you know i had so many great experiences in australia doing that i met jeffrey rush i went went with him and we hung out and saw another friend of ours that was in the dish with me do a play and then we went up to a room till about five o'clock in the morning just drinking wine and probably smoked a few cigarettes and then um and then uh and then uh you know jeffrey invited uh when my wife and the kids came over to his house just to have brunch with him and his wife you know and i thought i never have experiences like this hanging out with jeffrey rush and tom cruise in california but in australia it's all good that's when they allow that's when they would allow me there not serving food or anything actually get to be in the room and converse like actually hanging out hanging out yeah what are you working on now Besides the St. Jude I'm, uh, I'm supposed to have a film called The Duel that's supposed to be coming out. So I'm not, uh, they haven't announced that yet. Scrap that. Uh, 
It's kind of it's really cool. It's a really cool project I did about two years ago. But you didn't hear a thing about I, it. You didn't hear a thing about it here. Our two um, listeners will, will yeah. summarily dismiss that. <laughs> Our wives. <laughs> My did, wife doesn't listen. And then I did. I'm uh, I'm uh, slated to do a comedy horror film in the first quarter. I've never done a comedy horror film, but um, I was told that some of the Blair Witch people are involved. I like Ooh, the role, cool. and it looked like fun. So I'm going to do that. And. Uh, I, I worked a little bit with the J.J. Abrams on his new show, Duster, for HBO Max, which is cool. And oh, I, very um, cool. I would do a little work on Unfrosted, which is Jerry Seinfeld's uh, movie coming out about Pop-Tarts. <laughs> and it's really, really fun. I bet. Yeah. And uh, so... Uh, Are you working as much things. as you want to? Um but sometimes more at this point, uh, I re- sort of reevaluated. You know, I was looking at everything a little different as an actor for 35 years, raising a family of four kids and being the sole breadwinner. It's always that you go through your IMDb as an actor, and you're like, "Oh, that was great. That was crap. That was great. That was crap. <laughs> that was crap. <laughs> that was crap. That was great." And then he's like. You know, but you take everything because you know you got to pay the bills. You got and you and as an actor, you always feel like this might be your last job. And all of a sudden, it's like, oh my god, you've been racing your whole life to like the finish line. It's, there's no finish line anymore. It's like you know, you guys can you know you can afford to play golf with your buddies and hang out with your family, and it's a good thing. And so during COVID, I sort of got used to that, and I go, I don't mind so much this sort of retired life, you know, but I do want to work, and I'm still you know I just turned 59. Um, and now things actually seem to be almost getting more interesting. So that's the stuff I want to do, the interesting stuff, and, and, uh, or things that you, know, you find really satisfying, and, then, uh, um, and just try to be a little bit more particular, which means that you, at least what you're doing is you're, you're more happy about, and then you might take a little bit more time in between and yeah. spend you know, that with the family. I love where we live. I love that the kids are doing great. The whole family's in our zone, our area. So hang out with the family. I've been traveling with the wife, and I play golf at uh, Satakor. That's my club out there in Somos with my buddies and hang out. And it's just, that's all good. Yeah. We've done a lot of traveling, Kathy and I, the last few months because this dear woman raised four kids. And, she, you know, some of, the, some of our kids have seen much more of the world than she has because two of them went on semesters at sea, you know, so they saw everything. So we went to... Just the last few months, we went to Sweden and Norway and Germany and Amsterdam and Scotland, and we've been to Scotland a few times. But it was, that was that was an amazing experience. And uh, our last trip, we went to uh, Greece. We were supposed to go to Israel and Jerusalem. That didn't happen for obvious. Yeah, for a young couple so, that yeah. met at college, yeah. and now here you are tra- traveling the world together. Yeah, that's pretty cool. We went to. Um, we had to, uh, we were in Istanbul when we left, and uh, not the warmest place right now for Americans. <laughs> um, and now we're going through passport control two o'clock in the morning, and we don't have visas. And they're they're looking at the in passport control just says no visa. And they go, but that's what this is. They go no visa. And then <laughs> I looked at my wife and and. And I knew that the visas weren't my job. I knew that. <laughs> Are we going to throw the red flag? To yeah. <laughs> I, knew th- I knew that I was looking at her. But the one thing I've learned not to say is, why don't we have our visas? Because that never goes well. Yeah. Um, so I just said, we are screwed. <laughs> <laughs> and she got on the ground. And within about 15 minutes online, she got us our visas. And we got through. And we were able to get on the bus for an hour to go to the airport. 
But all the people that weigh on the bus are other people from the ship, and we go on Regent, and th- these people are old. This is like where senior citizens send their grandparents on vacation. <laughs> like, Kathy and I, are, we are literally, we are the youngest couple. We are the youngest couple. Uh, so we get on that bus, and that bus is, it's like Kevin's waiting room. We are walking through there, and there's no, yay, you made it. Because these people all, too, they're old, and they have to travel for the next two days. And they're waiting for the two people who screwed up, and that's us. So when we walk in that bus. Time short. Yeah. yeah. There, there's, there's no, yay, 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 you guys made it, or, hey, I loved you on Seinfeld. Nothing like that. Just <laughs> eyes of disdain. Like, they are just burnt. <laughs> that guy. And we get into our seats, and Kathy, first off, because there's so much stress going on, and she hates stress, and she just, like, curls up in that seat. She's just like, oh, my God, you know, because stress is so bad for her, you know. She's got this autoimmune stuff going on, and it's just not good for her. So that's when I said, I looked at her, and I said, maybe next time we'll be a little more prepared. Because you have to wait until they're, uh-huh. you have to wait until that they're they're vulnerable, and then you stick the, the then knife you in. Strike. Then you stick the knife in. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, she actually appreciates that about me. You know, Randy's looking at me like, no, no, what, no. what did you do? You, what a... Well, I've been married 42 years because I haven't done that stuff. (laughs) What was the reaction? Uh, Tears and laughter. Yeah, tears and laughter. Yeah. And then we get there, and then we're on standby. I'm like, how did standby? How do we end up being standby? We booked this this trip months ago, and we're not, you know, I don't want to fly around first class, but when we're flying, you know, 12 hours, you know, we got in the business seats for this, right? But they don't have, now we're not, and, and I'm mentally preparing now. Like, how am I going to sit in a coach seat for 12 hours? I don't know what I'm going to do. And then the woman goes, oh, you're in luck. Two people didn't show up. Now we can get you on the fly, but we can't seat you together. I'm like, that's even better. No, I didn't say that. But I did, <laughs> you I did thought look, it. You didn't say it out loud. I looked at my, I, I did look at my wife and I said, honestly, I don't know if I was more relieved last year when I found out I didn't have prostate cancer or if right now. It's true. It's absolutely true. I go, I go, this is one of the greatest release moments. So anyways, we got back. But we've had fun traveling. We were coming back from that first trip, and we're, we had to get up at 2 o'clock in the morning again. Take a plane to Zurich, and then wait, stand, uh, not stand by this time, but wait. Uh, the layover was like four hours, which turned to a six-hour layover. And so we're waiting there, and there's like 200 people waiting to get on the big bird to go home. And I see these three guys with long hair, but I, I recognize that they're all my age. So I look, at, I look at Kathy and I go, I'll guarantee you those guys have got to be like heavy metal, the heavy metal band touring. Because there's no reason they'd be my age and have dirtbag gear like that. <laughs> so now we're boarding the flight and those same three guys try to cut in front of us. And I'm, I've been up since 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, so I'm not having any of it. So I just throw a block. I just take my six foot three <laughs> frame and I just, they're not cutting in front of us. That's it. And so then my wife turns around me very charmingly, and there's certain things that your wife or your mom can do or say that you, you would never say. So my wife turns around me, and she just looks at them, and she says, all right, my husband thinks you guys are in a band. What is it? So she forces these three guys to have to say in front of 100 people waiting in line to get on a plane, uh, Megadeth. Oh. <laughs> and so I go, that's oh. cool. And the guy goes, that's a great response. I go, get in line. So fortunately, <laughs> fortunately, it worked out that way because they were sitting right next to us. And then we talked and the whole time and exchanged numbers, and it was great. So I guess Megadeth. I'll have to take my boys to a Megadeth show. There you go. Time. That's pretty cool. That's funny, the, the travel story. My wife and I were flying back from Australia, and one of us was in charge of making sure we had seats. Mm. And we were flying back, and we got to the airport, and we were not seated together because somebody, and I'm not saying who, but somebody did not get the seats. But they, I know. they did accommodate me. I mean, I got mm. put huh. in an exit room. 
it was really delightful. And then there was no one sitting in anywhere near me. Yeah. And about 10 minutes into the flight, my wife comes, she goes, there's some seats closer. I'm like, no, 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 I'm up here. You go back to wherever you are. I've made friends with, with the flight attendant. Jack is coming here regularly and I have foot room. You go back there. I, I'm fascinated with the conversation because my wife's never made a mistake. So I just, I just want to hear how I, I should handle say, it if it happens. I, I never laid blame. <laughs> hey, I want to. I want to ask you. You, the, you've had an amazing career, amazing acting career. Where do you feel like you were most stretched in a role? Um, that would have been uh, a, a little film I did years ago called "The Civilization of Maxwell Bright," and um, it looks like crap because it was shot on PAL, which was the European format at the time, and we could have shot on Sony Red. And I, I don't know why we didn't do that there, but it was a great cast. It was a very challenging, you know, it was a challenging role. And, uh, and uh, you, you know, this, was, this came about, really, it was on, I, I, I studied at a place called the White Fire Theater on, on Sepulveda, uh, yeah, or Ventura Boulevard, Ventura Boulevard, years ago. And we had this acting coach, David Baird. And so my dear friend Luke Perry used to come out to this event, too, you know, so he was in it, too. And... Um, and Luke and I both did, both agree that neither of us would have ever worked if it wasn't for Dave. Now, David Baird was a writer and he was a director. He did some really interesting things. He wrote a play called 900 Aniata that ran in the, on, on the west side in London for four years. He wrote a movie called Scorchers that I did a little work on years ago. And uh, that had a cool cast like James Earl Jones, wow. Faye Dunaway, you know, oh, wow. uh, Denholm Elliott. It was his last picture before he passed. But anyway, I, I went through a very sort of retrospective period in my life where uh, you know, this is back in the mid-90s. I was, you know, I was working. Things were good. I was supporting my family, you know. And I thought about two men that had, you know, an impact in my life other than my father. One was my crew coach, Jim Jorgensen from Orange Coast College. And the other was my, my acting coach, David Baird. So I called him up. Well, I'd love to take you out, out to lunch or whatever. And so we went out to lunch. And you want to know what it was all about? I go, I just want to thank you. And I go, I wouldn't be. I don't think I'd be working today because he was just so supportive, you know, because actors are all... So we're just so uh, neurotic and insane, <laughs> but he he really made everybody very, very comfortable. And he and being a, a director and being a writer, he just was very intuitive. He was from the South. I think that Tennessee Williams might have been one of his uh, mentors back in the day. You know, just an interesting wow. cat. Because nobody's ever done this before. Thank me. And I go well. I, they should. And he goes. Hmm. I'm gonna write a movie for you. I go, well, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> and everybody says stuff, or, you know, and then he does, and he writes it. He sends me a script, and I was like, wow, thankfully I like the script because otherwise, you know, you just, it's like a, you know, a 200 page Hallmark card that we wrote. It's like, thank you. I appreciate it. Could you sign it? <laughs> so we did it. I mean, this movie was made for about $200,000. I mean, you know. But it's really, really gritty, and it's, uh, I play a masochistic just ass that nobody, I mean, you really do not like this guy, but there, 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 there is growth, and, um, 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 but out of everything I've done, that's been the greatest stretch. Did it, you know? did it affect you at all, doing something kind of stretched you like that? Well, you know, to a degree, you know, I, I, you know, if you're doing a major production, you know, and you're dying of cancer, then you get um, enough time to lose the weight. I literally got one month, and that month was December when everybody's trying to feed you everything, and I'm starving myself. I've gotten full keto. My kidneys are shutting down. I mean, like, I, I'll, and I'll, I still all I could do in that month was lose about, you know, 27, 28 pounds, but that's a lot to lose in a month. That is. Yeah. You know, and... Especially um, in December. Yeah. 
so uh yes that was you know that was taxing and, and also you know i mean they're they're because of the scenes and because uh, the the subject matters a lot of them were difficult for a number of reasons one because they're so stark and ugly and others because you know you you're just so vulnerable and um but you can see that it's on, you know, it's on Amazon. You can see Civilization of Axel Bright, but and and if you can get through, I tell everybody, get through the first 10, 20 minutes, you'll 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 survive. But it's uh, it, it's really tough and in your face. Yeah. Were you surprised? Ugly. I mean, this this is your your mentor and your acting coach, and he said, "I'm going to write a movie for you." Yeah. And this was the film he wrote, mm-hmm. I mean, because it doesn't seem. I'm not sure that's the movie I'd write for you. No, I'll tell you why he wrote that for me. He goes, yeah. well, everybody just knows you for comedy. He goes, I know what you are capable of, and that's why I'm going to, um, that's what would inspire me to do this. Oh, that's yeah. very cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I love him. He passed away. And so, you know, Luke was, uh, you know, Luke came out to our event here. Uh, Luke Perry is who I'm talking about, and uh, I love Luke. And so, um, ironically enough, I, I was talking to Luke you know, the day before he passed away about David Baird's memorial service because David had just passed away. And um, I know that Luke was stressed out about stuff. His daughter was in Africa at the time and she had a lot on her plate and, and I was stressed. And, uh, but that was the last conversation we had. And the next day he had that stroke. Oh, wow. And then, yeah. Yeah. Much Luke, too young. Yeah. Luke, too you, 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 Luke, Luke was at our house one time for a barbecue and this was a party. And um, he's out in the back area. Now, Luke was the first one to have a pot-bellied pig pet. So back in the day of 90210, <laughs> Luke had this pet pig. And so it'd be in the tabloids and stuff, Luke and his pig, you know. And I know George Clooney got one, too. But that was after Luke. Luke was the first, like, celebrity to have a pet pig. He was the leading edge. Yeah. <laughs> he's in the backyard. He, he's in the backyard. While he's in the backyard, one of my neighbor buddies comes into our kitchen with a giant roasted pig. Full pig. Head on it. The whole damn thing. And I didn't know, and it just showed up. <laughs> and I go, I go, I looked at my wife, I go, I look at Kathy, I go, I got to go talk to Luke. So I go in the back and I go, hey, Luke, I had nothing to do with this. I got to, <laughs> I got to tell you, uh, but my neighbor, he just brought a whole pig and it is sitting in there. And Luke goes, I love it. I love pig. He goes in there, he starts, you know, tearing away at it. I go, well, for me, that'd be like eating a dog. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. We're sitting here with Patrick Warburton. We are. Is that unbelievable? Do you, you think he's going to go home and say, I was sitting there with Randy and Patrick? I absolutely. Really? Absolutely will, yes. That's cool. Yeah, because uh, 40 episodes, nobody's done that yet, yeah. so this is really cool. <laughs> no. You know, I've had the pleasure of having Patrick on Eye on the Desert Uh and it's always a lot of fun to spend time with you. And we've had a couple of fun nights at Castelli's. And I want to say, actually, uh, you know, this guy is invested in this event and he's invested in the community. And one of the ways that I really know that, uh, Michael Castelli passed away. And I went to the funeral service. And at the end of the service, I stand up and I'm walking out. And in the back of the church was Mr. Warburton who had come out to pay his respects. And I just think that speaks volumes about the kind of kind of guy you are. Well, thank you, Patrick. But, you know, like I said, this is our family and our community, and I love Michael, you know. And, yes, you and I, we've had some good times together. <laughs> there are and, a yeah. couple of pictures. <laughs> and I had great times with Michael. And I always tell people, I always found it, you know, and I would tell Michael this, you know, I go, I'm in Vancouver where, you know, they're the best seafood in the world. They actually have an Italian restaurant called 
Chiapino. I go, the interesting thing is, is that the best Chiapino I've ever had is in the desert in California because I go, your Chiapino is the best anywhere. But I love Michael. You know, we had a board meeting at Castelli's uh, just a, you know, a few days before he passed away. And we had like our, our like our sweetest, most intimate moment. He came up to me. It was just the two of us. You know, he goes, he goes, hey man, I love you. And I go, I go, I love you too. And he goes, it's amazing what you've done here. And I go, well, it's not me. You know, I do what I normally do. We defer to the credit to everybody who deserves. It. I go, it's Clark. It's this. It's everybody. It's everybody. I go, you know. But thank you. He goes, well, I, he goes, listen, I love you. And I go, I love you too. Our faces were this far apart, and he had like tears. And I, mm. I, I, and then a few days later, he was gone, and I, and so I, I looked at Kathy, and I said. I can't believe that I was fortunate enough to have that moment with him, you know, just before before he passed. So, but yeah, it's a special time. Yeah, I love it. Love that family. Love that restaurant. Well, yeah. uh, again, I, I just think it speaks volumes that uh, that you would come out and do that. And uh, I know that it's a special place to you because you guys do have the board meetings there. And that's the first place I ever saw you in public. Yeah, was, was at Castelli's. Yeah. yeah, I met Yogi Berra at Castelli's. Seriously, <laughs> and I had him. I, I well, it wasn't the first time I met him. I would, This is insane because you know he's. These I just watched terms. this documentary. It was amazing. Okay. I used to play in the Crosby years ago, and this is back when I was doing Days World, which was this like you know Friday night sitcom that nobody watched. But I, I managed to get invited to a couple of golf tournaments, and I am down there at the Crosby. And I'm having breakfast, and sit, seated at my table is Yogi Berra, Sonny Jurgensen, Johnny Unitas, and you're a sports fan, George Brett. Yes, oh. George Brett. Um, Oh my God! Who else? It was just like these these legends. Just like you can't believe who you're sitting there with, you know. But I met Yogi at Castelli's, and that's where I had him sign a baseball. And then one of my dogs chewed it up, <laughs> chewed up my Yogi Bear baseball. Bad dog. What do you say to the dog? I'm like, oh. we're gonna miss the dog. I think that's, that's right. right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> he had a good run. He had a good run. <laughs> This is awesome yeah. that you joined us here today, Patrick. Such thank a you pleasure. so much. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. It's, it's a great opportunity Absolutely. to say thank you, yes. uh, for, thank you for putting on the War Burton and, because it does so much for this community. And obviously, the whole point is what it does for St. Jude's. And I know that that is so near and dear to your heart. But it also is a tremendous community event that brings people together. And, thank uh, you. But hey, listen, Patrick, you and the station, and we haven't addressed this, but you and the station are such a big part of where we are because you've given us... Um, You've given us that platform and, and, you know, shown everybody and shared the commercials and all stuff. You, you brought awareness. You guys have done a great job and been there for us from the beginning. Yeah. Well, you make it easy to be a partner. So yeah, you're yeah, awesome. It's always fun to hang out with you. I really appreciate you coming on. And, and now he's a partner of the podcast. Too. Absolutely. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Patrick Warburton, thank you so much, my friend. Great Thanks. to see thank you. you. Thank awesome. you for spending Such time with us. And thank you all for listening. And this, I think, is a particularly fun episode. So we really appreciate Patrick's time. And we appreciate you all listening to Big Conversations, Little Bar. And Randy and I will be back. Our thanks to John McMullen, our producer. Thanks to Skip Page for hosting us. And we appreciate the listenership. And we'll be back with another edition very soon. Thank you for joining us for Big Conversations, Little Bar, with Patrick Evans and Randy Florence. Hear our entire library of episodes from BigConversationsLittleBar.com or most major podcast portals. This podcast is a production of the Mutual Broadcasting System.